Hello, friends. Welcome to Wednesday night. This is why we have the Psalms. And so tonight's um, session is a Facebook premiere. So I recorded this earlier uh, this morning. I'm going to be taking a few days and just uh, unplugging and spending time with my family and uh, doing a little staycation, uh, if you will, and catching a little bit of rest and recharging. But I wanted to uh, make sure that I brought you this, uh, this message tonight. And I was, I was looking through the Psalms and considering which one uh, that I would bring to you, Psalm 25, uh, just really stood out. And it gave language to something that's been on my heart. And so while, uh, while I won't be necessarily reading and interacting with comments live, it's all the more important uh, in this case that you all uh, leave your comments there and your questions there for one another. And uh, let's be an interpreting community. And uh, that's a, a group of people who gather around the scripture and are wrestling with what does this mean for me? What does this mean for us? And what does this mean for our world? So it's not going to be an overly long session this evening, but I hope that it will be a rich one and a deep one and one uh, with which uh, you will engage. So certainly welcome to all of you who are watching on Facebook and welcome to all of you who are listening uh, via podcast. And so we're going to jump right in tonight with Psalm 25. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. I'm going to tell a few stories, make a few comments, and hope that you'll do the same. So the title is Teach Me Your Paths. It's a Psalm of David. So to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exult over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in the truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. Oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame. 
for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. And I want to focus uh, this evening on verses 11 through 15. Would be too much ground to cover in the time that we have to cover all 22 verses. So as we do, we'll we'll select a passage of this that I think really gets at, at the heart of it and just delve into this. So I just, I want to go back through 11 through 15 line by line and just add a few thoughts and a little bit of commentary and hopefully you'll find your own instruction and word from the Lord within the text for your own life. So for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt for it is great. One way to think about this is uh, as it goes throughout, you know, is certainly the person who fears the Lord that the Lord instructs. But notice that David here is saying, uh, you, I'm, I'm calling on you, God, for your name's sake, pardon my guilt for it is great. So David wants to be one of the people whom God instructs. David wants to be one of the friends of God. And David is one of the people who walks in the path of God. And David is one of the people that the Lord gives word to and gives caution to and guides his path. And yet at the same time, you see right here that it's not only those people whose walk is blameless, who's upright, that are going to have access to God. Even people who mess up who foul up, even people like me, even people like you, when they turn to the Lord, when they repent, when they have a change of heart and mind, then the Lord is like, okay, you're seeking my face. You want to hear from me. So notice that it's not for perfect people. It's for people who are humble enough, even amidst their transgressions, to turn to God and say, God, I really want to hear your voice. I really want to walk with you. I really want to follow you. Pardon me from my guilt. I've, I've messed up. I've uh, thrown something between you and I in terms of our friendship. And I want to walk the way of the righteous. I want you to instruct me. And in those times, it seems that the Lord isn't looking for perfect people. The Lord is just looking for people who are humble enough to turn for your name's sake. So it's not because of David's righteousness. It's never because of our righteousness that God forgives and God's rest- God restores and God instructs. David's not calling and, and depending on his own goodness and merit. He's depending on God's character. And that's an important part of repentance. It's an important part of returning to the path, returning home, walking in, in the good land, is it's not about how long you can string together a series of good days or good weeks or good moments or be free from your addiction so that you can come to God and say, look, I've got it all together now, I'm ready. Your, Your being ready has nothing to do with it. Your intention of your heart has everything to do with it. God, I turn to you. I intend to seek you. And God, at that moment, I believe, even before that moment, because you you wouldn't be able to pray that prayer without God's grace, but certainly in that moment, you are returning to the path and God instructs. So David says, who is the man? We can say, who is the man or the woman who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way that he should choose. I love this because we're never without guidance from the Lord. I can remember really wrestling as a young adult over, should I pursue this degree path and this career path, or am I actually called to ministry? And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't calling myself and just looking at the person on the stage. And even though I would watch them and think, man, that I could do that, or that would be exciting, or that would be fulfilling. And certainly that was the Lord speaking to me through my desires. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
And God's going to God's going to give you all of the paths, all of the ways. God's going to do all of that as we seek Him. Even put desires inside of your heart. So that was there for me. But there was a time where I really had to decide, am I going this route or that route? And I was really seeking after the Lord. And I remember standing in the line at the University of West Florida, and I was either going to transfer my credits to Southeastern, where I ended up going, or I was going to transfer it to another university. And I looked up as I was standing in line, looked up, had my eyes closed, and saw on the wall there was a Batman ride poster. And it just said, answer the call. Now for you, you may say that's just coincidence. Maybe it was coincidence, but it was the coincidence that I needed. And I think when we're seeking direction from God, sometimes we have those flashes of like insight like I had in that moment. There were certainly another uh, series of confirmations as well, both in the word and from wise counsel. But what I'm getting at here is that the person who fears the Lord, who says, God, I want you more than anything. I want you, you're my highest intent, my highest goal. I want you more than anything that the Lord will instruct you in the way that you should choose. It might not be abundantly clear right now, but it will be whenever the time is right. God is always late according to our timing. So that word for you might come through your desires. It might come through another person. It might come through the scripture. It might come through, it, it talks in, uh, was it this Psalm that I was reading? It wasn't this one. I, I It was another Psalm, maybe Psalm 19, I forget, that, um, that the heavens... Uh, declare the goodness of God, that even by through night, God is speaking. God is speaking through creation all the time. So however it is, your role is not to determine how God speaks. Your role is to intend, to desire, to fear the Lord and say, I want you to speak to me. So verse number 13, his soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. Some versions translate um, that word here that's well-being, they translate it as, as prosper or like living in prosperity. And prosperity certainly doesn't uh, just, just only include material possessions, but I think this is a better translation than the word prosperity, that your soul shall abide in well-being. Another way to say that is your soul shall abide in goodness. And what is this goodness? It's God. So your soul, when you seek the Lord, when you fear the Lord, when you want to follow the Lord, then your soul is tapped into the source of life. You abide in well-being doesn't have much to do, and certainly it includes, but it, it doesn't have everything to do with external circumstances and materiality. What it has to do with at the deepest level is your soul abiding in the goodness of God. Your intention is to seek the Lord. Your intention is to hear from God. When your intention is wired in that way and, and, and directed in that way, I should say, then, um, then your soul abides in well-being. The circumstances are going to be what they're going to be, but your soul will abide in well-being and your offspring shall inherit the land. Listen, I want that for my children. I want for my children to inherit the good land of God, the goodness of God. And certainly I, I want for them to do well in life and in terms of being able to enjoy life and, and have the things that they need. But more than that, I want them to live in the promises of God, in the promised land of God. And that starts with me. That starts with my wife. That starts with our community of faith being united generationally to raise up the next generation. So verse number 14, the friendship, and if you look in your footnotes, it might say, or the secret counsel. I like that. Either one's really good. The, in, in other words, you're an insider. So the, the insiders 
in relationship with God, those who are friends of God, those um, the secret counsel of the Lord is for those who fear him and he makes known his covenant to them. To be in covenant with God is more than to, to sign like a, a contract with somebody that says, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. To be in covenant is to be in deep and abiding relationship that only death is going to get you out of. God is covenanted with us. You are in covenant with God uh, because of your relationship with his son, the Christ. And so here we are in covenant with the Lord, fearing the Lord. And it says when we fear the Lord and he makes known to us his covenant, that's like having an insider relationship. It's like getting inside stock tips from somebody who knows what's going on. And all the legalities of that, the metaphor breaks down, right? But here what we're saying is, there's an inside relationship with God. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him and God makes his covenant known to them. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? A lot of people read the Bible, but they're not really seeking the Lord. A lot of people fast, but are they seeking the Lord? I'm becoming more and more convinced that our spiritual disciplines are simply meant to open us up to a transforming friendship with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is the one who does the work inside of us. All of these other things you can do and miss completely the point. What God wants is a friendship. God is seeking friends. God is sending friend requests. You're, you're being befriended by the Holy Spirit. The question is, do we fear the Lord and seek the Lord enough to enter into that friendship so that he can make known to us his secrets? And so while it's founded on the word of God, and while the, the ancient scripture is our guide and new words from God will never go against old words from God, there is direction, there is insight for those who are seeking him. That there are soul whispers from the Holy Spirit that God wants to instruct you in. But that's, that goes beyond just, you know, just fasting and, and just praying and, you know, just reading the scripture for the sake of doing it in itself. All of those things, don't forget that there were people Jesus had great conflict with who did all those things. All of those things are simply ways to open us up to the transforming friendship of the Holy Spirit. So we see this all the way back in the Psalms. He says, my eyes are ever toward the Lord for he will pluck my feet out of the net. You know, faith and hope always go together in the Hebrew Bible. You have faith in God. So what do you do? You wait on God. You turn your attention to God. You lift up your gaze to God. Faith and hope always go together. Hope is when you're willing to wait on God when all seems lost. And so the psalmist is here saying, My eyes, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. For God's going to get me out of this mess. I've gotten all tangled up, but I'm not hoping in my own abilities. I'm not hoping in my own righteousness. The same God that is deliver, delivered before is the same God who will deliver now. So what, what's the bottom line of this? For me, the bottom line of this is seek the Lord, fear the Lord above all else, a holy reverence for God. And then God is going to lead you. God is going to direct you. God is going to speak to you. Well, how does God speak? How does God speak? How does God speak? Your, your, your responsibility and your role in this is not to determine how God speaks. It's to say, God, I want you to speak to me. And then watch if God doesn't speak to you, whether through a scripture or through a circumstance, even through your pain. The Holy Spirit speaks to us in all sorts of ways. In fact, the, the whole earth is the Lord's 
and the fullness, everything that fills it, all belongs to the Lord. And because it belongs to the Lord, God uses everything that's around us to send us signals of his goodness and his grace and his mercy. And I think at just the right time, you'll know what you need to do when you need to do it. So may God bless you and give you peace and settle your soul. May you lift up your eyes and focus on him. May he deliver your feet from the entanglements of the net that is surrounding you, whatever that might be, whether that's an addictive behavior, an attachment in your life, whether it's a, a thought pattern that you want to get out of, maybe it's a financial situation or a health-related situation. May God, as you lift your eyes to him, lift your feet out of those things so you walk in the goodness of the good land of the Lord. And until he does, may he give you the grace and the peace to endure and to wait in hope. For those who seek the Lord, he'll instruct and in his own time deliver our feet from those things that entangle us. All right, my friends, God bless you. Why don't you leave a few thoughts, a couple of comments if you're on Facebook, and why don't you share this out and uh, get the encouraging news about God's saving grace out to other people. Amen.